Creative Babble. As many of you know, I have another podcast called Criminal Conduct. And Criminal Conduct, believe it or not, is actually 10 times harder to produce than pretend. I mean, it takes John Taylor and I, my co-host, months, sometimes even years to produce because it's one case over multiple episodes. And this new season that we just dropped, season four, is no different. In fact, we've been working on this season and we've been talking about this season since the very beginning. It was going to be our first season, but then COVID happened and we had to stay home and work remotely. And now that life is kind of starting to get back to normal, John and I went out and we finally produced the new season of Criminal Conduct. It is out right now, actually. So go to Criminal Conduct, wherever you're listening to this right now, and download it. Because every week, we're going to release a brand new episode. There's nine total. And it's about the case of Praveen Varghese. Now, Praveen Varghese was a college student at SIU, which is Southern Illinois University, and he died of hypothermia. And in episode one of season four, we do something really unusual. We're actually going to start the story where it ends. And that's the fact that Praveen Varghese died. Somebody was charged and convicted of first degree felony murder, okay, by a jury of his peers. And then at the very last minute, the judge overturns the jury's conviction. This is a real incredible case. I mean, what happened here, the twists and turns in this story are incredible. It's, it's really the story about a mother who's trying to get justice for her son's death. Anyway, today, I actually want to play you the first episode of Criminal Conduct Season 4, Getting Away with Murder. If you want to listen to the rest of the season, like I said, just go subscribe to Criminal Conduct. There are two episodes out right now, and they will be released every week. Or if you want to binge the entire thing, I have posted every episode, all nine episodes on Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts, and it will soon be out on Patreon as well. So you could binge all nine episodes at once. It's actually the best way to listen to it, honestly. All right, without further ado, let me play you Criminal Conduct Season 4, Getting Away with Murder. We are heading towards Carbondale, which is where Southern Illinois University is, uh, and which is where this entire case took place. What's interesting about us revisiting this case now is that this is almost to the date, the exact date. When Praveen died, so we're here down here in February, so you can see what the, the trees look like. It's 41 degrees out now. The night that Praveen died, it got down to 13 degrees. Javier and I are in Carbondale, Illinois. This is where I went to college. Oh, nice. I spent many weekends there at the Strip, going to bars, hanging out at Southern Illinois University, which locals refer to as SIU. Yeah, we are visiting Carbondale in the dead of winter, and it is miserably cold. Yeah, the winters there can be quite treacherous. And the night in question, it got down into the teens when you take into account the wind chill. Yeah, we're here because on this exact week, an SIU student was found dead in the woods. This season, we're investigating a possible murder, but this isn't your typical true crime case. In fact, we're going to start where the story ends. 
Good afternoon. First, an El Dorado man accused of killing an SIU student back in 2014 is now a free man for now. Back in June, a jury found 24-year-old Gage Bethune guilty of first-degree murder in the death of Praveen Varghese. Today, a Jackson County judge threw out the guilty verdict and released Bethune on bond. So how did that come about? That's right. An SIU student dies, a suspect is charged and convicted of first-degree felony murder. Instead of facing potentially decades in prison, a judge throws out the jury's verdict and lets the convicted killer go free. I'm John Taylor with the Twisted Podcast. And I'm Javier Leva with the Pretend Podcast. And this is Criminal Conduct Season 4, Getting Away with Murder. Take me back to how you learned that Praveen might be missing. When Praveen calls, you know, he calls every night and we have the TV on. And going back, that day did not seem right to me. This is lovely. Praveen Verghese's mother talking about February 12, 2014. And then 13th morning, I woke up with this crazy feeling of I don't know what it was. So I went and took a day off and I was crying all day long. I don't know why. I was sitting here by the computer and the phone rings. So I pick up the phone thinking it's Praveen. So I said, hello. And then a strange voice. Hello, is Praveen home? And I'm like, who is this? And then he said, this is Carbondale Police Department. And he said his name. And I said, Praveen is in college. He's in Garbondale. And then he said, uh, well, we are looking for him. If he gets a hold of you, tell him to call me. Here is my number. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, he's, he said they're trying to get a hold of Praveen. So I said, is everything okay, sir? And that's when he said his cousin reported him missing and that was like, you know, like a ton of weight on my head. And I just sat here and I screamed and I, I just screamed to my husband, they can't find Wawa. You know, we call him Wawa. And he was in a panic mode already because he heard from my voice that it didn't sound good. So we got into the car immediately. We got into the car. We left. Lovely, Praveen's father, his younger sister, and other relatives jumped into the car for the drive from Chicago down to southern Illinois, which takes about roughly five hours. Praveen's sister Priya lived only a few hours away in St. Louis. My cousin calls me and he's like, hey, like, don't freak out, but we can't find Praveen. And I'm like, what do you mean? Because I, I didn't see all the missed calls. He like called me several times and like something's wrong. And it's just like my heart just dropped to my stomach. That's just all I remember. And... Um, Did you try calling him then? I called him so many times, and he has the worst voicemail. Like, it's like, hello? Hello? And it's just like, oh, like you think it's him, and then it was, you know, and it's like every time you, the first time I heard him, I'm like, where are you? And then he's like, hello? And then it was like, oh, dang it for me, like, why'd you do he's that? A, he's a prankster. Yeah, right? so I was just like, oh, why did that have to be your voicemail? 
why did everybody immediately think that there was something really wrong? Because of it's it's Praveen. It's not, he will never ignore a phone call. You know, he knows if he doesn't pick up the phone, we will be there in six hours. He knows that. After he went to college, there was not a single day he did not call us. So everyone knew something is wrong because he did not pick up the phone. I kept on calling. And usually if I leave like a a kind of a mad message when he doesn't pick up, immediately I'll get a call back. So when he did not answer the phone, I knew. Were you and your husband, were you talking about possibilities or were you just silent and driving there everybody was calling me what happened what happened you know and i was like i don't know what happened and then i i'm like oh my god he's gone he's gone and then my husband is like stop saying that just pray he's going to be okay and i said i don't think so i think he's gone Picture this, a foggy evening, the whisper of secrets in the air, and an invitation to step back into the glamorous and mysterious 1920s. That's the backdrop of June's Journey, the game that's been keeping me glued to my phone lately. Instead of doom scrolling on social media, I am actually playing the part of June Parker, a daring detective with a personal mission to solve her sister's murder. And let me tell you, it is a roller coaster of emotions and puzzles. What's to love? Well, first of all, the thrill of hunting for hidden objects. I'm a sucker for these kinds of games. It's kind of like those books that we grew up with, but with a storyline that keeps thickening. Plus, the game takes place in New York to Paris, uncovering clues of scandalous family secrets that make you feel like a real detective. If you're ready for a dose of mystery, romance, and the glamour of the 1920s, June's Journey is waiting for you. Download it for free on iOS and Android, and let's see who cracks the case first. Okay, you're a creamy Italian, right? Yes. Okay. No, let us It's all right. Whoa, thank you. John and I arrived in Carbondale and discussed the case over lunch. So Praveen went to two parties at the night that he died, and we know for certain he was at one, and the second one most likely he was at. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to the first party, which is where he went with, like, his friends were there, he knew people there, and so he knew everybody at this party, but he left this party, and it's not really clear why. But he didn't leave the party. Then we started hearing that he went to the party. All these stories started to come up that he was drinking, blah, blah, blah. So on the way there, the snow was so bad that that year. And there was like piles of snow on the side of the street. So I'm thinking if he fell somewhere, if the snow fell on top of him, how are they going to find him? You know, there was, there was like so many thoughts in my head, which wasn't good. On the night Praveen disappeared, he went to two houses on College Street in Carbondale. First, he went to 606 West College Street, and then possibly to a party at 405 West College Street. We often refer to these locations just as 606 and 405. 
So this is the first house? Yeah, so this is 606 West College. This is the where the first party took place that Praveen went to with his friends and cousin. This is a place we have many people uh, identified Praveen as being here, as being intoxicated, uh, having fun, you know, being a college kid. And uh, this is kind of where people lost track of him. The best information we have is that somebody saw him running out the back door probably around uh, 11 o'clock that night, February 12th, 2014. It's interesting because right now the house, as it stands, it's boarded up. All the windows seem to have been broken and, and they have plywood over them. Yeah. Doesn't, it doesn't appear like anybody lives here now. No, and I, I think, you know, at the time this was, uh, you know, a bunch of college kids lived here. And I think that's what they were doing that night. But this was their plan. It was to go here and then to go to Sticks which is a bar down on the uh, Strip, and uh, they actually parked down by the Strip and walked over here. So at this point in time, though, Perveen had uh, sheltered you from kind of what he was doing in Carbondale. So you, you weren't aware that a college kid would be going out drinking and going to parties? He never said they are going out to the bar or going out to drink. Those were all news to me. Like most college kids who leave home for the first time, Praveen didn't tell his parents everything he was doing. Praveen and their other buddies, they parked. They parked down by Sticks, but they parked in a parking lot across from Sticks over here to the left. So they would have come up this way, either up this street or the next street mm -hmm. to get to the party. Which, I mean, that's a long walk in freezing temperatures. I, I just can't, like, without a coat? Like, that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be walking further than we're walking. And it's pretty cold right now. Yeah, it's pretty comparable, I bet. How cold was it that night? It got down to 13 that night. Jeez. So, I mean, I'm guessing it was probably somewhere between 20 and 25 when they were even walking to the party. I mean, you're probably walking five blocks. I mean, that's, that's a good 10... 10 minute walk or more. That's a long time to be outside when it's cold. So he, he leaves 606 and most indications are that he would have gone directly to 405 West College for an, a second party. Praveen left the first party at 606 West College Street sometime shortly after 11 p.m. on February 12, 2014. That was his last known whereabouts. We left here around 9.30 at night, and it's a six-hour drive. And so we got there, and the officer who was on duty, he came out and he said, um, we cannot do anything until the detectives get here at 7 o'clock in the morning. You know, Ashley had filed a missing person complaint. That's all they had. So he said, why don't you guys go and rest somewhere and then come back at 7.00? couldn't sleep, you know, like I, I, I was up like six o'clock and I said, let's go, let's go. And the two detectives came and met with us and he said, we just got the missing person. So we went back and they followed us, two detectives, and they opened the apartment, you know, province room. It was locked. They opened it and when they were opening it, I asked him, I said, can I just come and see. And he said, you cannot come inside. You can stay outside. So I stood by the door. So they asked us for his the bank information to see whether he withdrew any money. There was no transaction. He did not take any money. So by Friday night, Saturday morning, you won't believe 
people started to show up from here. All the hotel rooms were full, more than like 200 people. By seven o'clock, the hotel lobby was full of Indian kids there. They came from St. Louis College, Detroit, from Chicago. The place was packed. They were making flyers and the police said, we don't need your help. So they were going around handing out flyers. In the morning, when we met with the detectives, they said they were bringing the dog squad to go and search. And they said, we know you have people come from Chicago, but make sure they are not in the way of our search. So Saturday evening, when we met with them, the detectives, they said they will not do any search on Sunday. They did not have enough staff. Though Carbondale is the largest city in the area with a population of around 25,000 people, it's a small town with limited resources. The college had about 20,000 students when Praveen went to school there. At the time when the school was in, the population of Carbondale nearly doubled. It was definitely a college town. One of the officers asked, so when are you going back to Chicago? He said, we are not going back until we find Praveen. We don't get any kind of information. By Monday, we will call off the search. And then I told him, I said, you know, I'm willing to accept the worst, but please find him. The Verghese family booked a hotel at the edge of town. So that hotel room was like by the window. If you stand by the window where we were staying, you know, we looked to the east to pray. That's our culture. So every morning and evening we were praying there, looking to the woods. So, you know, it was ironic. Praveen was found in the woods next to the hotel. Right. So your hotel was on the edge of town. Yes. And your hotel room was facing a wooded area that was just outside of town along Route 13. And so every morning, that's what you were looking out to is that that wooded area. Right. Praveen was, you know, he was there the whole time. This is current Carbondale Police Chief Stan Reno. He was with the department when Praveen went missing and actively worked the case. We had a search party that I was running a search party up and down 13. We had about 60 police officers that went into the woods that day. Do you know who was on that? One was an SIU police officer and one was our police officer. And we just had people teamed up together in pairs. And so they were just... We went, started about right here, and then we went all the way down to the next intersection, and we were just going in and out of the woods. So. Police found Praveen partially undressed. He was not wearing a shirt, and his pants were pulled down a few inches, exposing his boxers. He was lying on his back with his arms crossing his stomach and chest. His eyes were bright blue. Praveen had many visible cuts and scratches on his arms and chest. So then Tuesday morning, February 18th, the dean of the college comes into a room like eight o'clock in the morning and she comes in and she's sitting there just talking. She said, the police has a new lead and they are following up on it. Don't be afraid if you hear helicopters. 
she went downstairs and came back with current police chief, Chief Renault. She came up and I saw him. I saw them walk. They came up the stair and it's a long hallway and they were walking. And as soon as I saw him, I knew. I knew what he was going to say. So I, you know, I was by the door. And when he came in, I said, did you find anything, sir? And he said, yes. And he said, uh, we found it. And I said, is he alive? And he said, unfortunately, no. Everybody lost it. It was like unbelievable. I said, what happened? So then he said, uh, you know, your son was drunk. He got a ride from a recent acquaintance and they had a fight and he ran into the woods and died of hypothermia. So my brother-in-law asked him, where'd you find him? So he took my brother-in-law all the way at the end of the hallway and he pointed saying, we found him there. That close to where you guys were? That close to, we were there. So the narrative you were given was that he was drunk, he got into a fight, ran off and froze to death. So that's what you believe because that's what you were told, but you're also, there's something in you that's saying, I need to question this. At that time, you know, I was, I was still processing it. I really started questioning it after I saw Praveen. Lovely and her family went with the police to the coroner's office in Carbondale. So after they left, the police officer left. An hour later, they all came back. Uh, the detectives, the coroner, the police chaplain, they all came. And the coroner, and he said, no, we found your son and we have to start the process. Priya asked, when can we see him? Dr. Kofor is like, oh, you cannot see him. You have to wait uh, till a funeral home of your choice brings him to Chicago, and then you can see him. And I said, why? And he goes, then how do you know it is Praveen? Who identified him? The detective said, oh, we identified him. I said, how do you know it's Praveen? And he said, his ID was with him. I said, my God, it could be somebody's ID. Who knows, you know? I started screaming. I said, no, you are not doing this to us. I said, you are not touching my baby until we come and say that's Praveen. And I just started screaming. And I said, you cannot do this to us. We waited six days and now you're telling me you can't let us see him? I said, no. I said, you are not touching my baby. So I think they had a long discussion in the hallway and then he came back in and then he said, okay, ma'am, my English is broken. My accent is bad, but I'm going to talk. You know, something in me is like, hey, mom, wake up. So they took us into the uh, GI lab and they had Praveen in um, the stretcher propped up and his head was elevated. They covered him up to the neck. So we were going from his right side. Uh, so they told us not to go nearby. I said, I know I will not touch him. So they put two chairs for us. So as soon as I walk in, I think they made us made the mistake of taking us through the right side. If I went through the other side, I never would have seen the bruise on his 
right side. So as soon as I walk in, I see this on the forehead, the bruise. Without even realizing what I was saying, I said, who beat my kid? We all could see it, you know, like from 20 feet away, you could see the mark. So he said, what is on his forehead? And then the detective said, oh, you know what? We found him face down. It's frostbite. The detective was mistaken because police found Praveen lying on his back. It's very obvious based on the post-mortem indentions in his back from lying on sticks, straw, and grass. So we, we stood there, we prayed, and uh, after the prayer, we left. When you read the first autopsy, talk about what it said about the bruise on his head. I'm ashamed to even call him a doctor. You know, Dr. Jacoby is his name. He said it's postmortem discoloration. Praveen had bent in the forehead. It was bent. And the doctor wrote it as postmortem discoloration. So he didn't even identify it as an injury necessarily. No. And it's it's something that everyone who saw Praveen deceased immediately recognized that as a problem. Immediately, whether you have a medical background or not, immediately you, you saw it. We had an open casket, so everyone, you know, Praveen had 30,000 people watch it online. 10,000 people were at the funeral. Every single one of them saw that. Next time on Criminal Conduct, we dive into the autopsy report. As soon as I saw Praveen, the way the Dr. Kofer, the coroner, was talking to me and all that, there, there was some kind of something building up in me. Are they trying to hide something? There was no plan. Make sure you find out everything you can because don't trust what these motherfuckers are saying down here. Get a second autopsy, get a second autopsy, get a second autopsy. Criminal Conduct was written and produced by me, Javier Leva, with the Pretend Podcast, and John Taylor with the Twisted Podcast. Punit Shinoi with the Podcast Pundits helped us with the production and editing on this series. If you want to binge the entire series, all nine episodes, check out the link in the show notes. It will take you to the Criminal Conduct Patreon page. The episodes are also available on Pretend Plus on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music was written and produced by Ruby Rose Fox. Of course, follow us on social media. We are at CriminalCon on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All right, we'll talk next week. All right, that was the first episode of Criminal Conduct Season 4, Getting Away with Murder. Again, if you want to listen to the entire thing right now, just subscribe to Pretend Plus. Pretend Plus is great because not only do you get early and ad-free episodes of Pretend, but you also get ad-free episodes of Ponzi Playbook and Criminal Conduct. So it's kind of like a three-for-one deal. And you're also supporting indie journalism, which, you know, is a dying, dying art form for sure. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Check out Criminal Conduct. Trust me, it's an incredible season. So, like I said earlier, so many twists and turns.
And it's one that we've worked on for a very, very long time. So go check it out. And then also let me know what you think on social. Follow us at CriminalCon on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Or you could shoot me a message on the pretend accounts, which is at PretendPod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, you know, you know, anywhere you socialize. So, all right, well, that's it for me. I will, I have a brand new series that I'm working on right now. It's how to commit fraud. Yes, I am going to talk to a master pickpocket who is going to show you how to be a digital pickpocket so that you won't fall victim to their scams. That's next time on Pretend. Creative Pack.